0: Road Less Traveled. Good morning. Thanks for sticking with us and not bolting halfway through. Uh, Today we're going to continue with our series, The Road Less Traveled. Uh, This one today is called Man vs. Wild, which I believe is an homage to a television show. Has anybody watched this show? Is it good? It's awesome. Okay, they like it? Is that the one with the guy, was Bear, what's his name, right? Bear Grylls, yeah. I've ne- obviously, I've never seen it. Um, and so if you were hoping for a uh, dissertation on television today, you're out of luck. That's not what we're going to be talking about. Um, man versus Wild, we're talking about what it means to be a man on this road less traveled as a believer. Um, Yes I believe it was promoted as for fathers, but our goal today is to keep this uh, covering everybody here so whether you're a single man, uh, whether you're a husband, whether you're a father, um, this hopefully we have something for you. Um, a little overview on myself. I know some of you probably don't know me. My name is Greg Miller the deacon here at the firehouse. Uh, I'm married to a lovely Christine who is actually sick and not here today that was for the recording, so when she hears it later, she'll know that you all had sympathy. Um, I have five children: Reeve is eight, Josiah is six, Scarlet is four, Max is two, and Kellen was born in August. So I have it really easy right now: I have eight, six, four, two, zero. Right? Just wait till it starts shifting, and I won't be able to remember who's what age and what their names are. So, and for a career, I'm an architect. Uh, yes, architects do exist. I know that it seems like a myth of Hollywood that they're just some shadowy figure, but yes, we do exist. So that's a little bit about me.
1: Oh, Greg, you see, this is going to be recorded. Yes. So I guess I'll have to change some things. Uh... Oh. Oh,
0: stop the recording. I'm
1: just kidding. I know mean, yeah, the pastors are out, so we have control today.
0: You are at our mercy. <laughs>
1: I'm going to tell you, two. I didn't tell us to the first group, but since there's two people speaking, it will be twice as long today, just so you know.
0: I hope uh, you brought lunch. <laughs> uh,
1: my name is Rob Nielsen. Um, uh, I've, I've been a Christian 30 years this month, actually, I became a Christian three years ago. And um, so I've been down this road a little bit. And uh, I'm uh, married to the lovely Michelle over there. We have five children. I commend... Craig for not only knowing their ages but also their names so I'm going to try and do that I to too we have August who's 14 Katri who's 10 who will be 11 on November 2nd so she's almost 11 Charlotte who I don't know where she is she must to in school who is 8 Bentley who is 4 and Pierce who you see the picture of there who is 2 and so Michelle and I have been married for 20 years and uh, we've been going down this road together f- for that length of time, and uh, it's been a great journey so far.
0: Yeah, and so if you see, ever see two little blonde bomber boys about two feet tall running around, you know they probably belong to one of us. And you may mix up their names. We They say, I'm not Pierce, I'm Max. I'm not Max, I'm Pierce. So there's a picture of them for you. Um, so again, like I talked about, we're going to talk about uh, being men, being husbands, being fathers. Um, I recall uh, eight years ago when we started this church, there was a young single man who came to me. Um, and at that time, and some of you who were here remember, there was... Two families, so two essentially two married couples, ourselves and uh, Rich Morgan Thatcher, and there was just three little children between the two of us, and then a whole slew of you folks were singles. And this young man came to me and said, "Well, don't you feel a little out of place in this church with all these single people?" My response was, "Well, no, because I've been where you are, and eventually you'll be where I am. So I'm in a good position here, right? Is all the change is going to come towards me, not towards you. So, uh, that in mind, I hope everyone can kind of listen here and pick." something out if you're a a wife or a woman or uh, I guess there's no other option, right? Do that or a man, right? If you're here today and you're listening, I I hope maybe you'll get a little bit of insight into what it means uh, for men to be on this road uh, less traveled. So um, hopefully there's something for you. So we'll start off here and we're going to start just sort of basically sort of what do we see um, this road less traveled? What does it look like for a Christian? First of
1: all, the road as Jesus called it, um, the road to life, the path to life is narrow. He said, narrow is a that leads to life and why there's a road that leads to destruction. So you have to keep that in mind that it, it's, you know, what does that mean? It means there's not a lot of room for deviation swerving around. Um, you have to be disciplined. You have to know where you're going down this path in order to stay on it. And you, might, you have to pay attention to what's ahead of you. You can't, um, I guess that's the main point is be alert. Uh, pay attention. And not many are on this road, actually, in the world. Throughout everything, this, there just aren't that many people who are actually seeking God. The great men who we know have, have done this. Uh, they, they know who they are and they know where they're going. And I, I think of some guys I, I can think of like Abraham and Moses and David and Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Peter, John, Paul, uh, even Martin Luther or John Calvin, all those guys were on that road. They knew where they were going and they accomplished great things for God.
0: Yeah, how many of you have ever heard the old burlap to cashmere song? They say the road is narrow and the road is, anybody, tough? Nobody knows that, all right. I guess I just dated myself (laughs) severely. So the road is tough. Uh, James chapter 2, most of us are probably familiar with that. It talks about having trials and how trials develop perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. There will be trials of many kind, it says in there, and this is sort of a universal human condition. So what separates the narrow road from the broad way, it's not trials, right? We have trials on both of those roads. The difference is that on the narrow road, we embrace our trials um, and we embrace them because they lead to a growth in character and they lead to a closer relationship with God. Um, So that's really kind of, if we could sort of sum up the road less traveled for just believers in general, the road is narrow and the road is tough. And so what does this road look like specifically for a man? And
1: I think primarily the most important thing is the very first commandment. That's the love of the Lord your God, the only heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, I have a tendency to worship other things, whether it's power, money, sex, cars, sports figures, all those are easy to worship. But what are all those things? Those are things are really idols that uh, we put before God. And... That, um, so we have to keep in mind to love God first and love God only. Um, no one deserves it more than anything. Uh, and I want kind of step back for a moment and, and let you guys know, too, that we're going to be talking about some things, some uh, pointers, some uh, commandments even, of things you should do. This is for people who know and love God, okay? If you don't know God, if you haven't become a Christian yet, you can... Just focus on figuring out how to get to know God. Because yeah. everything we say on here will be a burden. Um, and I, I want to make sure everyone understands, too, that we're not giving you more rules and things to live by. These are things that point out, this is what a guy who loves God, who wants to follow God, these are the kind of things that are, are part of his life. And um, you can say, oh, yeah, I, I have that, but you know, I don't have that. Well, I need to work on that. And it's not because... Uh, you need to do it to uh, to, to uh, come in a relationship with God. It's just to draw closer to Him and to do more of what He wants you to do. So, with that, I just let you know. And I think, who is this guy we serve? And um, I, I think, as I said earlier, too, that I was a little um, encouraged and discouraged that Jeremy read the verses of Colossians 1. I was encouraged because that's what I was going to read and discouraged because that's what I was going to read. But... Uh, this is who Jesus is. I want you to listen afresh. I think I am maybe using a different version he is, too. Colossians so. 1, 15-20 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning beginning and the first born from among the dead so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things whether things on heaven or on earth by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. And that's who we serve. That's the Christ I know and I, I just can't think of anything more awesome than that really he, everything that's made he made it and everything holds together because of him And I, I don't know if, several months ago we uh, as a church decided we were going to pray every noon and the first thing I tend to forget this sometimes but the first thing we pray is that we would love God more that I would love God more that our church would love God more and I think God's been answering that prayer. I know in my life God's been answering that prayer. Through some books I've been reading and some other stuff that's been going on, I just, wow, I really love God more. It's not so much that I love Him, but He loved me first, so I'm responding to that love. And I tell you, it's, it's tremendous. Another thing is to remember who we are, our identity in Christ. Because also in Colossians, Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's who we are. If, you're, if you know Christ, you're God's holy people. And you're dearly loved. Dearly loved by God. And that's, you have to keep that in mind as to who we are. We were created to glorify God. That's,
0: that's our primary purpose here on earth. Yeah, and so in in keeping with that purpose, um, we find the results or the fruit of that first commandment of obeying that first commandment of loving God. The fruit is going to be a close relationship with God. Um, I think of uh, in First Timothy, chapter two, verse eight. If you're taking notes, um, Paul says, "Then I want you to pray without anger." Well, what is anger indicative of? Anger is indicative of distrust, so there's sort of this distrust of God, but if you're loving God supremely, you're trusting God you're learning to pray and have this close relationship with God that's very trusting and not filled with anger. Um, I think sort of the third way uh, that this the third thing this road looks like um, is that we begin to take on character habits that shape our preparation for upcoming life transitions right so now I'm kind of talking to you single men, I see some of you sitting here in the front. Um, Really, you're faced with two main life transitions. Uh, At some point, Lord willing, of course, we know God's in control. Uh, First one, of course, is marriage. Second one is having children. Um, A piece of advice that was given to me when I was a single man some years ago, a guy said, listen, do you want to marry a Proverbs 31 woman? Now, some of you may not know, what is a Proverbs 31 woman? What does that mean? Well, the 31st chapter of Proverbs is really all about uh, a wife of character a wife who's noble and it was pointed out to me after the first service that there's actually a lot of good information in there about what a husband should be like too in that relationship So, but this guy said look do you want to marry this wife of noble character a Proverbs 31 woman you need to be a Proverbs 1 through 30 man so you're going to have like 30 times the responsibility of the woman you want to marry. Um, and so you say, what does that mean? Well, I would encourage you guys, all, all of us, particularly single men, take Proverbs and read it a chapter a day. There's 31 chapters. I'll read through it in a month, right? If you read one a day, they're not very long, and there's principles in there that you're going to find that you can apply your walk on this road um, I'll give you just a couple here for example in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 3 and 4 it says let love and faithfulness never leave you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man so look for wisdom try to be wise um, bind it on your on your heart uh, another one Proverbs twenty-one twenty-nine, it says a wicked man puts up a bold front it's like, don't be fronting. Right?
1: <laughs>
0: I'm not, yeah. But it says, but an upright man gives thoughts to his ways. So give thought. Look down the road. See what's coming. Be wise. Be aware. Don't be caught up in the moment. Think about the future. Um, and those are just a couple. I mean, you could just go on and on. So if you if you go into the Proverbs, you're going to find this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's great.
1: Great, Greg. Um, actually, I
0: recommend, two to everyone who's
1: out there Greg talked about reading one proverb a day we have these living proverbs are they out back there? yeah we got a whole stack the table on the table pick one of these up this is in the New Living Translation and um, it's actually in fairly, it's in a little bit larger print so I can actually read it without my glasses which is pretty amazing and, uh, but we keep one in our bathroom so
0: um, while you're brushing your teeth
1: <laughs> so I'm reminded to read them most every day then but it's a really good thing, so pick that up. Another life transition that, uh, as Greg talked, alluded to, um, God willing, is that you, um, you also will become a father and um, you'll have children. And our goal as fathers is to train our children to love God. That's our primary goal, is to, to train up our children to do that. And we do that by modeling that and also correcting any attitudes or actions that go contrary to that. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later.
0: Yeah, so that was the idea here. Single guys, you're looking ahead. Talk about looking down the road for these opportunities. Now we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be on this road unless traveled as a husband, for sure. And I think the first point and really sort of the only main point I think you could really delve into the scriptures and find item after item of points. You know, you go into the Proverbs again and find out, oh, what does it mean to be a man and be on this road? But we're going to focus on one that's from Colossians again, chapter 3, verse 19. It says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. It's very simple, isn't it? So, how are we harsh? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't
1: know if you guys have ever been harsh to your wives, so those of you who are married. Um, and I think one of the ways... Uh, I know I've been harsh to my wife, is probably by not thinking about her properly, not realizing she's different than me. I don't know if you guys know this, but women are different than men. Newsflash. A lot different than men. And uh, uh, so they think differently. And so it's up to us to, to figure out how they're thinking to whatever degree we can <laughs> so that we can... Uh, um, do something what we do is, is it's not harsh to them it's not contrary to what they would think and I think one thing is easy to do is just treat them like one of the boys you know treat them like mm-hmm. your know, roommates or whatever and, and uh, I think one of the big things men do sometimes is show camaraderie to show love is you insult each other and
0: I tell you that's not a good thing to do to a woman <laughs> won't get you very far yeah, yeah I think of uh Uh, in relating to women spiritually, to your sisters in Christ spiritually. Um, (laughs) I know as men we can kind of relate to each other. I know you guys aren't you guys doing that sort of band of brothers thing on Saturdays and you're you're becoming accountable and sharing your lives and calling each other out on things. I think it's fantastic. Um, I think when you get into marriage, it's a different ballgame. We had, uh, oh, a few years back there was a, a conference for couples. Uh, that our church in the region puts on. And during this time, they had sort of a breakdown session. They pulled the men. It was that like the goats on the left, and the sheep, the women on the right. right? And they pulled us together, and they talked. And we're going to talk to each of us. And at the end of the time with the men, the pastor said, Hey, uh, does anyone have any questions? And this young man who would clearly been married a, a couple months, I think, um, or else he was in a lot of trouble if it had been a lot longer than that, stood up and said, Yeah, I have a question. I, you know, I was single, and I was in this great accountability group with these men, and we were in each other. Lives and we were reproaching each other and sometimes reproving each other and calling each other on our sin and calling it what it was, and I'm really having trouble calling my wife out on her sin. Do you have any sort of directions for how I could maybe do this? And the pastors looked at him and said, Don't. <laughs> you just don't you just shouldn't be relating to your wife in the same way that she would to other men. Yeah, I
1: think too. One way we can be harsh is by being thoughtless and careless in our in our actions. And one way when we talked about this, and I think some illustrations, one really popped to my mind was as fairly early on in our marriage. I'm not sure exactly how long we've been married. Not too long. At least I hope it wasn't too long. Uh, we. I was. I had to come. Uh, I was coming home from work, and I thought, "Oh, I should go to the mall and and uh, do a little shopping because I need to get some stuff." So I stopped there for well, it was only a couple hours. And um and and I came home and my wife was crying and thought for sure I'd been murdered or died on the road. This must have been in the days before cell phones. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a cell phone. This is I'm married twenty years, so we just had horseless carriages. And uh, but um but I was like, you know, at first I didn't understand, it's like what I, you know, I had roommates. I'd I'd stop off after work and go somewhere. They didn't care if I came home at seven or ten at night. It didn't bother them. So what? But I realized that not, they don't think like my roommate. She doesn't think like my roommate anymore. And uh, I have to be careful and, and be considerate of, of of her thoughts.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, uh, you can start on that now, men. Like sort of wherever you at, and wherever you're at on your journey. Um, and I think maybe we should look a little bit beyond just the oh, those are the sort of the fruit of it but what is the root of that kind of careless thinking and um, wrong thinking? It's really, um, you know, I, I don't think that we're harsh because we're clueless most of the time. And maybe that cluelessness that maybe we have is actually also sort of a fruit, and I think it's, it's kind of the way um, God has wired us as men. We really, you guys will probably agree, we think in a very linear way. Um, I heard it said once, like, you know, if your husband is out in the garage, working in the garage, he's not thinking about something else. He's working in the garage. Like, that's what he's doing. Don't think that he's doing something different. We're very linear thinking. We're very results-oriented as men. Um, and that's sort of where we can run into this challenge. We get kind of selfish and we stop thinking about our wives' way of Of thinking, we're just thinking about the way we see the world. For sure, and one way to help with that is to see how kind Christ
1: is to us. You know, Christ, He gave everything He had for us, and by seeing that love, that love that Christ shown to us, we can show that to our wives as well. And we're commanded as, as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church, which is. Is a pretty big um, thing to do. But we, keep, we have that ability if we just see how much Christ loved us.
0: Yeah, so we could say, okay, what are some practicals? Like how can we love? What can we do? Well, first, like Rob said, we need to see that we're loved by Christ. And another way, I think, um, that has really helped me is to think of the concept of dying to yourself. A wise man once told me, In marriage, you die to yourself first. And the next thing you do is die to yourself. And you follow that with dying to yourself. And then you die to yourself. You die to yourself. Have I said it enough times yet? He said, when you're all done dying to yourself, you die to yourself. Right? So it's just this continual pattern of dying and dying and dying to yourself. Um I think we go back to being that proverbs one to thirty man, that's another practical. Like men, stay in the proverbs, um, stay in the word, uh, look for ways that you can grow. Um, if you haven't ever started that, start. I mean, it's never too late. Um, I think another thing we can do is we can accept responsibility for the position we have. A lot of A lot of folks, particularly those who uh, maybe um, come to know the Lord after they've gotten married, begin to question like, well, really, am I supposed to be married or not, where I was young and I was immature and maybe I made a bad decision in this right? Well, I'm fully convinced, men and women, like, if you're married, God meant for you to be married, and so live in that and accept the responsibility and take on the leadership and begin to walk the road less traveled where you are in that place. Um, on sort of a lighter note, too, I want to encourage all of you husbands out there, it's easy to uh, sort of get into small conflicts over things. And I want to say, you know, if you've married that Proverbs 31 woman, which I think most of you who are married probably would nod your head and say, yes, yes, I have. I have married her. Um, she's really got your best in intentions in mind. Her heart is really good for you. So um, there's something I learned here. You know, when she says, you brush your teeth, you could get mad and say, well, how are you to tell me about my dental hygiene? Or... You could brush your teeth. Just brush your teeth, men. Do that. Or I, I like to laugh when I, was, when I was a single man. I don't know if any single men do this. Um, I used to really enjoy, as a sort of a bedtime snack while I was in bed, chips and salsa. <laughs> I set aside chips and salsa and bed. I'm being married because I realized that was not really going to go well. So I was trying to be considerate there. So we've been talking all about husbands and talking about men. We want to have just sort of a little aside here to talk about wives, right? Because this passage in Colossians 3, most of you probably know, it's preceded by a verse that says, Wives, submit to your husbands, which causes all kinds of conflict in our world, right? Like, oh, submission. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. Well, I want to say this. Most of that conflict actually comes from men trying to interpret what that verse means. Men, who is the verse, wives submit to your husband, who is that talking to? Wives. So is it for you men? No. So let them worry about what it means to submit. You worry about loving your wife and not being harsh. Another thing too
1: is, women, you can can use this too, is that... um and to submit, you know, you could submit your problem, submit your questions, submit all kinds of things to your husband. Use the
0: comment box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, anyway, uh, also, I think, like Greg was saying, I think the, the most important thing is love, though. I think Jesus, our example, what was the last thing Jesus did before he went to the cross? He washed his disciples' feet. And that, to me, is. Uh, a great example for us as men especially that's how we should be we should be willing to wash our wives feet and um, and sacrifice whatever needs to be sacrificed for them and uh, ultimately it's just our love for them That love is more actually more important than submission
0: yeah and that's uh, along that line of foot washing there's a passage in hezekiah which isn't isn't a book in the Bible. And it says, a foot massage covers over a multitude of sins. So husbands, keep that one in mind for sure. Um, Now, I do want to speak seriously. Um, We, as a culture, I'm sure that you've heard, oh, marriage, marriage, whatever, marriage is a 50-50 proposition. Like props 50-50, you know. Um, That's not what the Bible talks about. Um, We talk about uh, loving and we talk about submitting and how those roles fit together. And what I think that really means, men, when it talks about loving your wife, it means that you are responsible for your wife. It means you're responsible for your family. That means you oversee All of it. There's no sort of, well, here's the line, and she gets that half, and I get this half, and, um, you know, now your wife may be more gifted in certain things. I've known couples where they say, um, as a man says, I am lost when it comes to the finances. And so he's sort of... Turn that over, but still sort of oversees. It works well when he sort of oversees. But lets her sort of crunch the numbers. Or, um, but it's inappropriate for us as men to say, "Well, it's my wife's responsibility to change the diapers, or to discipline the kids, or to wash the dishes, or to whatever it is." Um, and wives, I think what this means is that you are uh, you're able then to come under that responsibility and say, "Oh, okay, how can I help? How can I work within this situation and, and be the best help that I can?" Instead of I have this responsibility I have to shoulder no the responsibility would be shouldered by your husband under this arrangement which to me sounds a whole lot better than sort of d- division of labor right because wherever there's a division of labor there's always a disconnect and things that sort of fall out of the bottom so
1: and the next uh, as we're talking about the next phase of life for most people for most men after marriage is fatherhood and there's a verse in Colossians, which kind of stuck in Colossians here, but it's got some really good verses. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. So that's a command to us as fathers, not to embitter our children. And how do we do that, or what does embitter mean? You know, different versions have different ways of saying it. It could mean provoke, aggravate, exasperate, irritate, irritate. Um, and how do we do this? I think the number one of the main ways we can embitter our children is by being double-minded. Um, I have my kids here, so I'll have, to, I'll have to take what I say with a grain of salt. But uh, it, we can tell our kids to do one, two, and three. And sometimes they'll forget two and three. And they'll, and they'll do number one. But, you know, if you are ever inconsistent in what you say... They always remember that. <laughs> They'll always say, oh, but you, you know, 42 weeks ago you said this. Oh, man, I, don't even I had for lunch 42 weeks ago. Uh, but yeah. they remember because it's important to them. It's important that you're consistent. It's important that you don't vacillate. And I, We will at some degree always, but um, I think that's the most important. Uh, thing is to not do that. No, take time. If you need to take time to make a decision, take the time to make the decision and give them their answer later. Don't make a rash one that you have to back out later and say, hey, oh, you know, this is a big thing, so just give me a few minutes and or talk to your wife and make sure you're both on the same page, too. That's that's very important. And uh, another way we can embitter our children is by being impatient. And uh, I learned this lesson and a long time ago I used to own a store and one day I was uh, trying to get we were closing the store up trying to get the kids it was August and Katri at this time I'm trying to get them to go and Katri was running off and she wouldn't come so I went up to her and I yanked her pretty hard and uh, I think the special limitations have run out so I think I'm okay on this but uh, um, and actually it dislocated her elbow a little bit and um and it it really hurt her and uh And you. And me too. But uh we took her to the doctor and the doctor said actually this is what they call nursemaid's elbow because nursemaids sometimes would Yanked the children along, so she didn't turn me into DCS or anything. And, um, but it really made me think, oh man, I'm being impatient. And I have been impatient since I graduated. I never pulled my kids' arms like that before again.
0: Yeah, and I think in addition to sort of that momentary impatience, we can have sort of a long-term impatience. Um, I think of I have one child, and uh, he'll remain nameless. But uh, Josiah really struggles sometimes <laughs> with picking things up and we have to instruct him and then later instruct him in the same thing and instruct him in the same thing and on and on and it's easy then over time for us to become impatient well we're again here we are talking about this uh, impatience and being double-minded well what's the root of that it's the same as being harsh with your wife it's selfishness right and so we need to be very careful that we're not selfish and that we're looking for the good of our kids so how can we not what are some practicals how can we not embitter our kids Um, one thing is to show them our love you can your love another thing is to show it like most of you know I am not a touchy feely person we probably have shared an awkward handshake or I'm sorry if you've ever had to hug me it's a little bit strange but I've had to learn right I had to set that aside and say you know what I have kids they need to see that I love them and see a physical touch and even if it's a high five or a rub on the head I have to learn to do that to let them know I'm proud of them and that we're just working through these things Um, I think ultimately we're trying to seek the good of our Kids. I know Rick talked about this a couple weeks ago. Our goal is training our children, not punishing their wrong deeds. We're really trying to draw them along into a place where they can walk on this road that we're walking on together. I think, too, as your kids grow up, the uh,
1: discipline sometimes needs to change and sometimes you need to be a little more explanatory in what you're doing. Um, you know, disciplining a, a 14-year-old versus a 2-year-old is different <laughs> and uh, sometimes you, with the 14 year old you may have to explain things a little bit more or even your 8 year old whatever explain things a little bit more than you might when they were 2. It may seem exceedingly obvious but sometimes I think I tend to forget that I tend to think oh I'll just say you need to do this because you did this wrong thing you need to do this and on with it but it's good to, to explain things a little bit more than that.
0: Right so let's look here. Um, as we head towards the conclusion so what does it take to keep walking on this road and not you know exit the road not get off of it what are some things that we can um, we can really do generally practically regardless of the phase of life we're in yeah i have a confession to make um I don't know,
1: 10 15 maybe more than that, years ago i don't know if you guys remember there was these bracelets people would wear that said wwjd what would jesus do
0: I never really like that, but it's okay if you're here and you're wearing one. You're welcome. It's okay to be here.
1: I'm a little more literal in my thinking, I think, than some people may be. I know my kids are, uh, but uh, I would think, you know, I can't turn water into wine. I can't walk. I can't walk on water. I can't forgive sins. I can't. There's a lot I can't do. So I always thought it should be WWJWMTD. And if
0: you're an engineer, that should really speak to you. Because it's a very long acronym.
1: It's what would Jesus want me to do? That's, I think, most important, is uh, what would Christ have you to do?
0: And I think a second thing, too, is um, the concept of sacrifice, which in this culture we live in, Everyone wants to talk about sacrifice. Everybody kind of wants the cake, and they want to be able to eat the cake, too, to use sort of an old cliche. But, folks, we only have so much time in our day. Our lives, we only have so much heart. There's only so much effort we can expend. There's not enough time to do everything you want to do, and if you want to be on this road as a man, you need to make these things a priority. Taking care of your wife and loving her, and not being harsh, and training your children, and not embittering them, um, and so it takes sacrifice. I think that's one thing. As a single man, I was not prepared for the level of sacrifice it was going to take, and I probably didn't train myself to have the sacrifice to be ready for it. Um, and you say, well, what does that mean? Sacrifice, like you're putting. A goat on an altar like what 's it about no it's it 's setting aside things maybe that you would want to do that might have part of your heart and and leaving them till later or till never. Some awesome things I think of are sports, whether it 's watching sports or participating in sports. you may not be able to do that religiously when you 're married or when you have kids. Uh, I think of recreation too for me. Ah man, I love skiing. I think I saw it. teresa you 're here. I could have taken you on the slope. I was awesome. But I had to set it aside. You know, I had to set it aside. Uh, it was my wife—it wasn't really the thing that she wanted to do. It was an expensive hobby. Um, it was something we really couldn't keep doing with kids. I probably will never pick it up again. I think my knees have gone bad, and I won't be able to do it. And um, but I love a, a good run, fast run down the slope as much as anyone. But that was a sacrifice it's take—one sacrifice to take for me to walk down this road. Uh, I think a leisure time or free time. Um, I, I think guys think I can come home and I can have my 30 minutes to myself you know it just doesn't really work that way uh, I usually come home and then instantly I'm washing the dishes or I'm uh, picking up and training the kids or you know doing the chores the stuff I have to do your, your leisure time your free time it's going to diminish um, other thing, music I picked up the guitar when I was married. My wife gave me a guitar. I thought that was a sign. She was maybe saying I should pick it up and learn. We have kids. There's just not time for me to to strum out on the porch some bluegrass or something, you know. So I, maybe someday we'll have the the singing Von Miller family or something like that, right? But for now, it's just not a reality for my life. Or hobbies. It's another thing. I used to read books prolifically. If I read one book a year, I'm doing really good at this point. That's just sort of a sacrifice. It's something I really love doing. I had to set aside. Um, Guy's Night Out is another one. Uh, I know we're doing the risk tournament this Saturday. Men, please check with your wives and make sure that you're not hindering your marriage or your family to be there. But we typically, you know, if I have the opportunity to hang out with the guys, I probably should be taking the opportunity to hang out with my wife or my kids instead. Um, So those are maybe some practicals on the idea of like sacrifice and how we can do that.
1: And what else, uh, one final thought on what can, what does it take for a man to walk and not exit this road, I think primarily is to put yourself on the road with others who are on the road. You know, think about it. the Lone Ranger, I've heard this numerous times, not to be a Lone Ranger Christian. And that's true, but even Lone Ranger had Tonto with him. And he wasn't truly alone. And I think traveling with others, being on this road together makes it more enjoyable. and helps us if, you know, if you happen to fall off in the ditch someone can help pick you up. Or if you start to veer off, it can help direct you back on to the straight and narrow
0: yeah and and to add on to that uh, you may be saying well who's that supposed to be let's well, say look around you look at the people in this room and us and we're all here we're on this road we're walking it together let's sort of rely on each other to help us get down this narrow road together so the final point here this has been maybe a little depressing oh we're talking about sacrifice and selflessness and not being impatient these are all hard things is there any good is there any reward that's going to come from this
1: yeah, first and foremost, I think the reward is just a, a better relationship with Christ. Um, that is worth more than anything else. That any sacrifice you might make on earth here is that relationship with Christ. If, if you don't know Him, I tell you, it, there is not a better thing you could do than to to get to know Jesus, because it's it's. Uh, Nothing will change your life more, and we talk like Greg said. We talk about sacrifice, but those will all pale in in, in, in consideration of, of knowing Christ. Also, I think you will experience abundant life. Jesus says He came that we might have life, and that we might have it more abundantly. If you are on the road, if you're traveling the narrow road, you will have an abundant life. And even though there's no guarantees and everything, I chances are ninety nine point nine to one that your family will be better and your marriage will be better um, that if you follow this road that you will have I, I, you know, it's as close to a guarantee as I can get that you're going to your, your marriage and your family life will be much better and after it's all said and done no matter how everything turns out in your life you're going to go through trials you have to make sacrifices that's guaranteed that's the way this life is, is. but no matter what happens in your life At the very end, at least you can say, turn around and say, I did what God had me to do. And God can turn to you and say, Well done, good and faithful servant.
0: Amen. All right, thanks for listening to us this morning. That's all we had. Join us again next week. I'll pray to close. I believe we're talking about uh, couples next week. So I'm going to delve in a little bit more into marriage. So, Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for joining with us. Lord, I pray that uh, the words Rob and I have spoken here would... uh, um, be from You, Lord, that we wouldn't be in the way. God, that we would all be encouraged to uh, to get on this road and walk on it with others and um, lock arms and, and take off for You, God, that we would um, look for ways to love Lord, as men that we would um, be practicing practicing our love, practicing the proper treatment of our sisters as we prepare to eventually be married or if we're married, the right way to love and not be harsh to our wives and with our kids, to not embitter them and love them and train them. God, help us in all of these things. Lord, be with us this day and this week. Thank you for uh, your church and that we can be part of it. Lord, we look forward to the day um, when we can stand before you and you will say, well done, because we've been faithful with what you've given us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.